you don't have control over anything. The idea that you can control your life is the thing that's holding your life hostage. To really have control over your life means to accept that you have no control. Hey, you're tuned into the Mike and Maddie show. Where we have casual conversations, breaking down science and exploring our creative journey so we can all learn how to improve our lives. Today's episode is all about how to regain control over your life. Because for most of us, at some point in our life, we start to feel stuck. We start to feel unmotivated and that we have no control over the things around us. We talk about why certain people might feel this way and how that differs from person to person. And then we talk about strategies for overcoming this belief and actually regaining control over our lives. So calm your mood, clear your mind, and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome back to the Mike and Maddie show. Welcome back, everyone. It's just us today. No guests, finally. Yeah. I kind of <laughs> like it better that way because then the table's not so cramped. Yeah. It's kind of nice to just chill, yeah. just the two of us, mm-hmm. Sudan, just hang out and talk. Um, but anyways, this week's topic is something that I've thought about quite a bit, especially yeah. these past few years. Um, and maybe that's just a result of being in my late 20s and mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out my life. But we want to talk this week a bit about how to regain control over your life. Because I feel like so many people, especially in their 20s, when they're trying to figure everything out, they lose sense of who they are individually. And also just like they don't they feel like they don't have a sense of control over their life, over they, what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And... I think it's just a real problem for a lot of young people and figuring it out is sometimes an excruciating process mm-hmm. and a lot of people never figure it out. Yeah, I, I agree. But I mean, it's kind of philosophical, but like no one can really control their own life, right? Like, what do you mm-hmm. mean by that? I guess we have to def- start defining things. Yeah. Life think, is not really in your control all the time. Uh-huh. Actually, that, that the fact that you said that, that's actually one of the very first realizations I had to to arrive at to quote unquote, take control of my life again. And it's the fact that you don't have control over anything. Mm -hmm. The idea that you can control your life is the thing that's holding your life hostage. Mm. That's restricting your ability to do the things that you want to do, to take the actions you want to, because you feel like you're always struggling for control. Mm -hmm. We're having, we're, what I've come to realize is to really have control over your life means to accept that you have no control. Mm -hmm. And then it's just liberating. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, I think there's I think there's like two ends of a spectrum for mm-hmm. that. There's like you feel like you have no control, so you let go and you live in the moment, mm-hmm. or you feel like you have a lot of control. Mm-hmm. But it the the bottom line is you feel. Mm-hmm. Like however you go through life, it is all about how you feel. Sure. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. But I guess to move forward, I think the first thing we should do is kind of define like what does it look like if your life is out of control? Well, at first, like, what decisions matter? Hard to say. I think, honestly, this is just me being, like, a super gung-ho self-improver, but every single decision that you make. Yes. Like, there's so many decisions that we try to offload to other people. Mm-hmm. There's so many decisions that we try to automate, mm-hmm. you know, within our business, within all the people helping out on our team. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, there's a sense of some decisions matter more than others. Mm-hmm. Um and some decisions require a lot more time and a lot more like mental effort. Mm-hmm. Some decisions have way more consequences. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, that, what does it matter? The, the reason, the why it matters so much. I think Dr. K had a pretty good example to describe this, mm-hmm. but he kind of compares, as we also compare life to a video game mm-hmm. where every single day you wake up and if you have like, if you think about like a mana bar, you know, a mana pool that you have, mm-hmm. 
every action and every decision that you make is going to drain a little bit of that willpower, that yeah. mana pool that you have every single day. Yeah. And if these tiny minuscule decisions that shouldn't, like you say, have a lot of consequence are taking up a lot more of that mana, mm-hmm. then you're not going to have enough energy to make those more important decisions and then actually move your life in a direction that you want. Mm-hmm. Like if you run out of mana before you can make an important decision, that decision is going to get put off until tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And these decisions are just going to stack and stack and stack. And if you don't have some kind of strategy or a way to make decisions without requiring so much willpower, then it's just going to be more and more difficult. You're just going to feel like you fall far. You're going to feel like you fall further and further behind. Um, decisions being something as simple even as like, what am I going to wear today? You know, mm-hmm. back when I was in high school, there's a story. Back in high school, um, a couple of my friends, you know them, they're my best friends, mm-hmm. but we got really, really into fashion. We we're trying to get into fashion. You know, we're like 16 years old and we're right. figuring out like what's hip, what's not hip. Like we don't want to be, because like back when you're in high school, like identity is so important mm-hmm. and people are trying to be like, oh, like we're not the jocks, you know, we're not the nerds of the campus. The we're goths. like, you're exactly, <laughs> we're not the goths, but we're like, we, we were like trying to be like the hip kids, you know, the kids who are like counterculture yeah, a little bit. And with that comes a lot of stupid, but I like- that period. Your hair was like super long. Yeah, I had like my- I had Your like hair a, was longer than your show. Yeah, than I had long legs. hair. I had, like a, I had like a Jedi ponytail for a little bit. We were just trying to be God. like, we were just trying our best to be very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason with that like goal of being weird, there was a lot of mental responsibility, no matter how dumb it is. Mm to achieve that identity. And every single morning before I went to school, I'd be like, ooh, what should I wear today to like fit that identity? Mm-hmm. And sometimes like, this sounds like the lamest thing ever, but I would change my outfit like two or three times in the morning. Sometimes mm-hmm. I was late to class because I would, I would care and freak out so much about like, am, mm-hmm. I, am I gonna wear something that like people would, will, will see me in this way mm-hmm. that I want to be seen. You had that much clothes? I didn't really. You didn't have that much clothes. Like, what thing, should I wear? The thing with my like friends, though, is... things I had. The thing with my friends, though, is because... Because we were kind of into it, so we would actually trade clothes oh, a lot. Oh, that's right. I remember you guys. Yeah, yeah. You guys traded a lot. <laughs> we would, yeah. So, like, at, each, at any time, I would have, like, five pieces from Austin yeah, or, like, a few from that. everyone else. We'd all kind of, like, mix match and, like... Because we would, we would play this game together. Yeah. We'd all get together at lunch and we'd be like, who rocked that fit better, like, this time, this week, or last week? And like mm-hmm. that, you know, like, who wore that shirt better out of the group? <laughs> I remember borrowing your clothes too. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, when did you get this? <laughs> I was like, oh, that's <laughs> not mine. <laughs> Where was that other shirt that I liked? <laughs> oh yeah. And then we were just like, cause we're the same size too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think back then you were like way bigger. You were already in college and you had been like lifting. So you were, you this were like, like bulkier than me. I was like kind of a skinny, scrawny oh, kid, yeah. but, uh, I probably could have fit your clothes. Some jackets and stuff. Yeah. But anyways, uh, what I was trying to say with that is that even like a decision, like choosing your clothes back then which is mm-hmm. an inconsequential thing now like nowadays like sometimes i see you wearing the exact you wore the exact same thing today as you were yesterday you or know? so you think maybe i have like multiple things sure that maybe exactly the same exactly but the fact that you see see that's what i mean so like you were able to make a decision that you were going to wear something the same thing regardless of whether it's exact same piece of clothes or the same look yeah that you don't have to put any more mental bandwidth into that mm-hmm. in the morning um, that's preventing you from focusing on other things that you want to do. Yeah. So that's, I guess that's one example of how I mean by how, how your identity or how you want to be perceived, that has control over your day and over like what you constantly think about. Mm-hmm. And you can't make decisions that actually matter. Like, cause now I look back on it, like it was so dumb <laughs> that I spent that much time thinking about my clothes. But back then it felt like the world, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, so defining your your level of control of your life mm-hmm. basically comes down to uh, your decisions 
your values, mm-hmm. your identity, right. I guess. And when your life is out of control, then you don't feel like you have what decision-making power, mm-hmm. or you 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 feel like your life is meaningless almost. I think what there's a specific term in psychiatry that they use to describe people who just have no motivation at all. Or is it anhedonia? Mm-hmm. No, that's that's when they don't have any. They can't find feeling. pleasure or oh. feeling feeling from doing things that they yeah. used to. Right. I think it's kind of the same idea. Actually, anhedonia, I think, is the right word I'm looking for. Okay. Where things that you normally would enjoy doing, you just find no pleasure from it anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you think about motivation at all, we get pleasure from doing things when, one, we want to, and we see, two, like, we can see progress from it. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing something and you, you like, you're do, if you're doing something because you have to do it or you feel like you're being told to do it, then mm-hmm. you're just never going to get as much pleasure from doing that as if you're the one in control saying, I want to do this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like if someone says, hey, you have to make me a cake tonight because it's my birthday. You're not going to enjoy that as much as if you're like, hmm, I really like this person. I'm going to make them a cake, you yeah. know? So regardless of what action it is, it's the the mindset and the motivation around it that really determines whether or not we even enjoy life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what it comes to taking back control of your life is just being able to reframe your mindset at any time so that you enjoy everything that you do as opposed to being that's a feeling like you're under control to do those things yeah that's a dilemma that a lot of us deal with when we are told that you should become a doctor and you Mm -hmm. don't really want to do that Mm -hmm. you want to pursue something else Mm -hmm. um how do you take control then what are the steps because sounds like to take control of your life you basically have to change your mindset Mm -hmm. because your life is going to happen regardless Mm -hmm. And you can, you can decide to be happy and live it, or you can just let it go by and be mm-hmm. totally Well, let me ask you, detached. let me throw this question back at you then, because I know very distinctly that you have, we've talked about this before, hmm. but has there been a time in your life, in your life, where you felt like you had no control? Uh, very recently, I felt like I didn't have control. Mm-hmm. It had to do with my career. Mm-hmm. I felt like, well, basically I was working full time in the hospital mm-hmm. and my schedule felt like it was out of my control mm-hmm. every single time I wanted to spend time with family or go on holiday or, or something like that, mm-hmm. or like just be at home for Christmas, even mm-hmm. that was not possible. Right. Um, the only way to make that possible was that I have to go out and like ask my coworkers, like, Hey, do you want to switch? Do you want to trade? And most people wouldn't want to give up Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, my schedule was not in my control. My, actual day-to-day hours were not in my control mm-hmm. like i have to i have to be here at this time to see these patients right in the hospital a lot of the patients are not well mm-hmm. many of them are like actively dying so i have to be there at certain times mm-hmm. um and overall it's just all of these things just com- compound into like your happiness and i just felt unhappy partly because i felt like i had put in so much effort and so much work getting to that point mm-hmm. and I had a certain expectation and it didn't meet my, my expectations. Mm-hmm. I kept I kept going through med school and residency and people kept telling me, yeah, it's going to get better on the other side. Mm-hmm. You're going to make a lot of money and you're going to, you know, start being happy. Mm-hmm. But like all those areas of my life, like my time, my happiness, my relationships, like everything was just not doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, because I felt like there were so many aspects of my life that were out of my control. Mm-hmm. 
And that's when you and I, I guess we sat down and thought about this very deeply. And then all of that compounded with like the sunk cost fallacy. Mm-hmm. Like we'd spend like 10 years of our lives studying for this, for this very job mm-hmm. that I thought was like the, the my dream job. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that was a point in my life where I felt like I didn't have control. Mm-hmm. And like on the outside, yeah, it's on the outside it was like you don't have control of your schedule, you don't have control of your time. Mm-hmm. But on the inside, it was more I didn't feel aligned with my values and I didn't feel aligned with my identity, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that's what it came down to. The things that I was doing, people were telling me to do mm-hmm. and I was not choosing to do them. Right. So mm. yeah, I guess yeah, I guess you're right. Everything we talked about so far is is about identity and about choice. Mm-hmm. So if you were, let's just say, hypothetical situation, that you had next month, you had to actually you had to go through residency again. <laughs> sounds pretty bad. Obviously, that sounds terrible. If you had to go through, you have to. Okay, like um, there, this, this is like what you're doing. What you're going to do? Uh-huh. How would you approach it differently? so that you weren't so miserable. Because there's a lot of people who feel stuck in their job, Mm -hmm. but they don't know what to do about it. Yeah, that's a hard question. Because I feel like a lot of people are stuck in their jobs. They are stuck in their job. Mm -hmm. Um, when When I started residency, I basically like so many of my eggs were in the same basket. Like if I didn't go to residency, I felt like a lot of other things were going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. But also I didn't have any skills to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Like for you, going to residency was not an absolute, right? No, I didn't start yet. <laughs> I mean, you like had skills to do some other things. Uh, yeah, I you guess had no so. one depending on you. No, I'm lucky. You have a family. I don't. Yeah, like there's so many people with that, mm-hmm. with all those things, mm-hmm. and they. I guess even even though they like got married or they have kids, they they lose a little bit of control because of those things. Mm-hmm. But they chose that mm-hmm. that as part of their identity. Those that's the part of their values. Yeah, for some, for someone who is stuck. Mm-hmm. or in a career or a position where they necessarily can't leave, how how do you think they can at least reorganize their life in a way that gives them more control and thus makes them happier on a day-to-day basis? If you can't control what you have to do, you can still control how you feel about doing it. I mean, that's probably the quickest and not easy, but that's probably the quickest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like saying, instead of I have to do this, you mm-hmm. say, I get to do this. Mm-hmm. Something as straightforward as like, you need to get out of bed at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. to go to work. Mm-hmm. You need, like the simple thing is just, you need to get out of bed. But if you kind of think about it, there's a lot of people who can't even get out of bed. Mm-hmm. You know, some people have no legs. Like they can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. They have to be allowed to get out of bed by someone else helping them. Mm-hmm. Or like, some people, they have no bed, you know? Okay. They just live in the street. Okay. Like there's this, you gotta reframe the whole situation of that you have, that you get to do this, that you have the opportunity to do this. Mm-hmm. 
And when you look at that, I guess that's gratitude, right? You look at that, that is how you can find an internal source of motivation. Don't think about it like, oh, someone's making me get out of bed at 8 a.m. to go to work. My boss is going to like fire me if I don't. Mm-hmm. Like, just think about it as I get to get out of bed to go to work today because mm-hmm. I get to earn some money and I get to spend it on things that I enjoy and and support my family. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the that's the easiest thing you can think about first is a lens of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful and pretty underrated strategy to enjoy life, the everyday experience of life just a bit more. I think it gets a really, it gets a pretty bad rap on the internet Hmm. Um, because a lot of people, like when they hear someone say, oh yeah, you practice gratitude, they like, this kind of like eye roll, you know, it's like, oh God, Mm. like again. Uh, Um, And I hate that it has that connotation. Maybe we have to like coin a new term for it. Gratitude. Why does it have that connotation? I don't know why. I think, I mean, because it's such a, it's such a powerful idea that has actual science to back it up too. Yeah, there's science to it. There's a lot of science behind the power of gratitude, um, but it just gets a really bad yeah, reputation. I just like, I guess the the first thing I envision when someone says gratitude is like, I think of like these posters. Mm. <laughs> it's like gratitude or like live, laugh, love, happiness, gratitude, yeah. something like that. So maybe, maybe, something. maybe that's why, huh? Because it just has like a very cringe connotation yeah. in terms of like the way that it was branded publicly. Yeah. Uh, which is a huge shame because I think um, it's really powerful. It's the same thing with motivation, same thing with self-improvement. Mm-hmm. It's like gratitude will mean something to you when you discover yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't just like force gratitude on other people. Mm-hmm. You can't just like go around the street and like trying to like convert people into gratitudeism or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I got I feel like so many so many of these terms get a bad reputation mm-hmm. is because you try to force on others. Mm-hmm. But you got to sometimes you just got to let people discover for themselves. Gratitude yeah. is one of those things. Mhm. I agree. But then, then it also kind of goes back to what we're talking about identity because the people who are sharing gratitude as that kind of woo-woo, live, laugh, love mm. idea, yeah, the people who are creating that probably don't feel like it's cringe. No. I, <laughs> it's why they, else would they be sharing it? Yeah. Exactly. But it's just like our interpretation that being that is cringe. Mm. Like that is, that that's again, like just being controlled. Yeah by the idea that you're going to look like you're that. being controlled by you know? it. It's kind of like, it's kind of the realization, I think a lot of dads, I'm not a dad yet, but the dads, um, they come to mm-hmm. when people start talking about like dad bods or like the clothes your dad wears, mm-hmm. like the socks and sandals or like the really baggy suits and stuff. Like they have developed such a D, uh, DGAF attitude about it that they don't even care. The DGAF attitude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they have developed such a like, I don't care. Like I'm just going to do me. Yeah. And everyone else thinks it's cringe, but like, they have just, they have reached enlightenment. They have <laughs> or like They don't even care, which is like, people's. so they're actually, they're in complete <laughs> control because everyone else is like, yeah, is, is, uh, is judging them or like stuck in that thought loop of like, oh, that looks stupid where they're just like, they're so past that point where it's just mm-hmm. like, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Similar to, I guess, dad bods or whatever, similar to that, mm-hmm. similar to gratitude would be like the people who got really into meditation and yoga mm-hmm. or the people or people who like are really into religion, I guess, mm-hmm. like prayer, mm-hmm. you know, like that's not, prayer is not considered cringe, right? Mm, people, I don't think so. Like religion is spread and, and it's the same thing. It's like a, it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. Relig- religion and faith is all a mindset thing. Right. And I don't think that's cringe. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, if we're talking about strategies, I guess, for people who are stuck, the one you said first was gratitude, which I agree with. Is a, mm-hmm. It's a good thing to practice. I actually do that fairly often too. If I'm feeling like really bad about something that happened, what I always do is just think about all the things that have went well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially like, for example, like this is going to be a kind of a dumb example because I haven't done sports in a long time. But like if I, uh, I used to swim in high school. I was a swimmer. I did the 100 free. That was like kind of my, I did the 100 free and the 200 IM, which was like the worst event of all mm-hmm. swimming. Because yeah, we all to, swam in high school. I, you did <laughs> swim in high school. I did. You did? Yeah. For Elmo? Not for Elmo. Oh, okay, okay. okay. That's what I meant. We swam for, what was it, Orca or something? Yeah, yeah. That was like a club team on the side. But um, yeah, I did the 2IM. That's like the worst one of all time because you have to work really hard and do all four strokes. Oh, yeah. Um, starting with Butterfly, <laughs> which is like most tiring. <laughs> I had to do all Butterfly. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I'm I'm like a fairly competitive person, but like not super like cutthroat competitive, especially not in high school. I didn't care enough. But um, I remember that I would I wouldn't win often <laughs> the races, but after the races, I would always feel pretty sad because I could look mm-hmm. up. I would like you know touch you touch the finish line and you look up at the the clocks. You know all the clocks are on the side and you yeah. see like you look for your name. You're like eighth place or something. Like that. <laughs> or like not doing like you're not doing eight. super hot. But then like and then because it's funny because at Elmo um, where we went to high school, like all of the coaches mm-hmm. would sit right underneath <laughs> right sit right underneath the times. Mm-hmm. so you touch the wall you take your goggles off you look over you see the times <laughs> and you look down and then you see them looking at you because they're recording the times mm-hmm. and always it was just a face of disappointment <laughs> just shaking their head because <laughs> <laughs> i just did so bad all the time <laughs> and you know there's definitely like a moment where i'm just like wow like i just let all these people down or something mm-hmm. and i felt bad about it um but then there i think a lot of people when they experience some kind of failure like that some kind of setback where other people are also disappointed in you. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to just spiral from there mm. um, and think that the world is ending because not only did you let yourself down, you let someone else down. Mm-hmm. And something that really worked for me back then to kind of get back up on the horse and continue working was to just look at my times. Like, did I actually just get better? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And usually I would PR. Like, I wasn't great, but I was not like, um, I mean, like, I wasn't great, obviously, but like, I was still practicing and getting a little bit better so if i saw pr i'd be like you know at least i did better than last time you know mm-hmm. and just thinking like that it's like at least i showed up every day for practice last week that led me to to getting a little bit better mm-hmm. you know so just like focusing on the small things that were in your, in your, in your control mm-hmm. like showing up to practice yeah and seeing some progress from that that's like the only kind of that's the real gratitude that you can do mm-hmm. that's the only form of gratitude that actually works is just acknowledging and appreciating the fact that you showed up or that you took the took the right actions and regardless of what the result is mm-hmm. you can feel good about that yeah you know yeah definitely that's like something that i know a lot of people recommend for like dating dating scene especially like approaching women or like approaching people like that that gap is huge and scary to talk to someone mm-hmm. and getting rejected sucks mm-hmm. but if you can reframe it like Hey, I got another rep in. You yeah. know, I got a, I got further in the conversation this time than last time. I got, I got a smile out of that person. I got mm-hmm. a phone number. You know, even if it's not like a complete home run, you can still appreciate some kind of win. And there's always some angle you can find to to bring a win mm-hmm. to to keep your motivation alive. Yeah, one thing that uh, one thing that my wife did with me at nighttime before we went to bed was that 
we would like recap, like just name three things mm. that you felt like was a win today. Mm-hmm. But you can you can spin it into any any three positive mm. things. Like, what are three things that you look forward to tomorrow? Mm. Or like, what are three things that you would consider like would be a success? Yeah, or something like that. If you if you got these done this week, mm-hmm. like just focusing on positive things, yeah, as as is shown in the studies, is helpful. And you do it at the end of the night before you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. It also helps you kind of shed all those negative thoughts, and then you don't have to lie there mm. with anxiety. You're just, just lying there, and you, you fall asleep with positivity. Yeah. If you do that with someone, like if you get to share a bed with someone, then you do it with them. Mm-hmm. It does it does help a lot. That's it it a, reinforces gratitude with the other person. Yeah, I love that idea, actually. That's a really good way, um, one, to connect with each other, mm-hmm. and two, to like get each other off their phones. <laughs> that a lot of people just really like... hard to do, yeah. <laughs> because I think the opposite of gratitude is comparison pretty much yeah it's not yeah. really an opposite it is an it is an enemy it is the nemesis yeah it is one of the it is the gary mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the gary of ash oh the gary of ash <laughs> it is the gary it is the gary of of happiness is mm-hmm. comparison yeah the reason why we're so upset or feel so crappy about things is because we're comparing ourselves to the possibility of what we could have accomplished or what we could have had or we could have had or who we could have been. Mm-hmm. And that is so, that idea itself is paralyzing to so many people. And a huge problem of that is just how chronically online everyone is. Because and- everything you see online is a comparison. Mm-hmm. Every person, every tweet, every Instagram post, everything you see is a comparison. Yeah. And if you're not consciously, like we are, at least I'm like more conscious about it now of like, going in with the mindset of don't compare yourself, mm-hmm. then it's so easy to just get sucked into comparison. And then you're just going to feel crappy and you're not even going to know why, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's like probably like, it's probably like one of the worst things I'm thinking about, like you can do before bed is like scroll TikTok or scroll Instagram. Cause then you're just like feeding your mind comparisons without even thinking about it. And then when you put your phone down and you go to sleep, you're just ruminating yeah. <laughs> without even realizing it. I don't know why. I feel like everyone does that too. Uh-huh. Gratitude and positivity mm-hmm. is... So far, the the strategies that taking back control of your life happens from inside your head. Mm-hmm. Well, if we can talk about some like practical examples of things you can do. Mm-hmm. Well, that was practical. There are other practical ones too. Your thoughts basically dictate mm-hmm. your reality. Right. Well, one to go off of what we just talked about. Um, it's a bit extreme, but I'm going to pull the example from what we just did. But I did a dope and detox recently. Okay. Yeah, right, right. And... It's it's less it's easier to take back control when you also don't have distractions that are trying to take your control or mm-hmm. trying to pull your attention mm-hmm. this way or that way. So an environmental cleanse is is very very helpful. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we can do is limit social media. That's a great one. Stop watching as many movies that distract you from thinking from taking the time to reflect on the positive things environmental control and environmental redesign that's a huge way that people can take control of their life mm-hmm. for so many reasons um because that piggybacks very well with the next tip that i have or the next idea to to regain control is to just start doing small things that you do have control over so what i mean by that okay. is one idea is just start um Start start being more honest when we talk. 
start telling the truth more instead of like trying to be polite or nice just be honest i think it's a really powerful one okay because a lot of people let's use this as an example <laughs> yeah, i think people like, like examples <laughs> a lot better yeah i was like that's yeah when you go to a restaurant let's say we just went to a restaurant that mm -hmm. was supposed to be pretty highly rated you know three stars um sorry three dollar sign five star rated restaurant we order something you take the first bite you're really excited for it and it just doesn't taste that good mm -hmm. you know and being like a really really nice restaurant the waiter immediately comes up for a minute and says how do you like your food what's the first thing you're gonna say oh it's great delicious you know exactly so right there you're not telling the truth yeah why do you think you do that uh there's probably a lot of reasons one of the reasons is you just don't wouldn't be bothered to explain yourself. Mm -hmm. um, that's usually my reason. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's important enough to be negative about it. Mm -hmm. So I just shoot past it. I just continue going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But another reason might be is just reflexive, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why is it reflexive for people? Because we're, <laughs> we're taught to be polite. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I have a, I don't think it's helpful though. Because saying what you don't feel mm -hmm. is being afraid that you're like, it's basically giving up control, giving up your control. You're being controlled by the, the fact that you don't want to upset this person. Mm -hmm. So you're going to say what you need to say so that they're happy. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I didn't even... That's even, one side. I didn't even of it. think about upsetting the other person. I was just like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't say it because I don't care enough to. But you didn't enjoy the food. I didn't, but it didn't. It doesn't bother me enough to. Yeah. Well, I think from a well, business, maybe uh, if it's a, if you're setting up as like a three star restaurant and this is like you're super hyped, then yeah, you probably mm -hmm. probably say something. Yeah. Even if it's a, like a less highly rated restaurant, I think from from a from the standpoint because I, I I used to do that too a lot. And I probably still would at some points if like, I just didn't want to, I feel like a lot of times you just don't want to cause a scene and go through it, you know? Mm -hmm. But from a business standpoint, like I, I only know this recently because we're about to launch our flagship product, Study Quest, which I'm very mm -hmm. excited about. Mm -hmm. But if we had a community of people who were, for example, testing a product, you know, we are working on the alpha, we're testing it and... I go up to all of them and I ask, hey, what do you think about the product? And if they all treat it like they, you did that restaurant and just say, oh, it's great. I love it. Mm -hmm. And they hate it or, they, or there's something wrong about it, but they didn't tell me. Mm -hmm. That is now only going to hurt me because I don't have an opportunity to get feedback from it and do better. Yeah. And in return, you can give a crappy product to a bunch of other people and in return i'm going to give a, a terrible product to a whole bunch of people yeah and that person is probably not going to recommend my product because they didn't even like it yeah so all of these cascading effects can happen that you don't really think about when you're not speaking your truth mm -hmm. when you're not being honest yeah and you're just saying things because you're afraid to disrupt something because you're controlled by an expectation that this person has to like me mm -hmm. or i'm going to ruin the relationship if i say something wrong yeah we're actually like the most helpful thing you can do for both parties and for your own happiness, as in like you get it off your chest, mm -hmm. is just tell the truth more often.
and just be more honest with people. Because I think everyone will appreciate honesty. I don't think anyone enjoys being lied to, you know? Yeah, that's true. But, you know, some people, actually, no, some people, it depends. <laughs> some people enjoy being lied to. Like, for example, do I look fat in this dress? <laughs> that's a very common situation. Mm-hmm. There's just some things that, you know, you just, even though you know the answer and even though they know the answer, you just straight lie to them. Mm. These white lies, some of those things, I think, keep a lot of relationships or keep a lot of society going. Mm. Do you think that's actually really helpful? I I don't <laughs> always agree with it, but... I don't think I agree with that at all. Yeah, but... I can see why people would do it, but I don't agree that it's a better approach than honesty. Mm-hmm. And I think this really just comes down to our medical training. When I was in med school, during my third year, I was on PEDS, actually. Um, I don't know if you ever had the same attending I did, but PEDS Oncology, we had a... What was her name? I don't know oh. if I had that. She was she was an amazing attending because she was so nice. I mean, being on Pete's onk, like yeah. you kind of have to be working with children who have who have cancer. But one of the things she told me was always, regardless of of um, regardless of the situation, that you should never lie to your patients. Mm-hmm. So if even a kid, you know, who has like leukemia and the prognosis isn't looking too good, she would never just be like, oh, it's everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, she wouldn't say that. She would just say like, look, Johnny, like we're doing the best that we can. And I can promise you that we're all working as hard as we can to give you the best treatment that we can. And that's what she would always just like re- really emphasize that like never make promises that you can't keep because trust is so important. Yeah. So then if you don't disclose how you feel about the situation, then that's not considered lying. Sure. But like, you hey, know. look, Jimmy, like we're doing the best that we can, but you know, your odds are like very, very terrible right now. Like you're probably going to die tomorrow. Mm. You're not going to say that. You don't have to. Maybe no. not to. I would maybe say that. Is to that someone, lying? <laughs> I would maybe say that to someone being who's honest. an older patient. I'd probably say that to an older patient. Yeah. So, But to a child who hasn't really... Wouldn't be able to understand the gravity of exactly. that situation. Yeah, I might. So occlu- those the, I might occlude. Then those are the things. white lies. I mean, that's not really a white lie. It's not a white lie. It's like occluding things. It's still like, yeah. Then you're not being honest. You are being honest with what you've said. You're just not telling everything. Yeah, I guess that's where the gray zone is. Yeah. So some of these things keep relationships, mm-hmm. keep society going. You white know? lies. I feel like it was well, a lie is a very specific statement of like you're telling something that is untrue. You know? Yeah. Whereas we're not really saying something untrue. It's like when you say everything's going to be okay. Yeah. That's when a lie. That can, not that going can be, to be. A, that, that's a lie then. But <laughs> when the other person, that's all they want to hear. Uh-huh. And that's all they need. <laughs> yeah. Situational. For sure. Yeah. But for some reason, after working with that attending, I've just, I have never said that statement. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be okay to, I, to a patient. Uh, working in the hospital, <laughs> I never even though again. everything, I, even though I feel like everything is going to be great by the numbers, I never say it still. Yeah. Because you can never predict. Right. It's like when you what say is, that everything's going to be great. cover your own ass. Exactly. 
Yeah. That's the defensive medicine that I've grown to uh-huh. to use all the time. Is no, That's not defensive medicine. It's just don't make promises you can't Now it keep. sounds kind of shady because I remember another thing that my surgery attending always, or my surgery resident I work with always told me. He says, as you, like he says, literally never make promises to any patients. Yeah. I <laughs> and would, that sounds terrible. I would give that advice too. But it just sounds terrible. But also it's just like, yeah, if you don't promise anything, then you can't break any promises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what is the point of making a promise anyway? <laughs> I think the point of making promises is to give people comfort. But then you're just putting so much on the line. Yeah. Of trust. Yeah. Because if you don't deliver, it's then worth it. dang. But if you do you deliver, can, you can comfort them in other ways. If you do deliver, then trust probably grow builds faster. Yeah, but it's just not worth it. If it doesn't, doesn't the payoff isn't worth it? Mm-hmm. The more you're able to just speak your truth, get things off your chest, that is in itself is you taking ownership of making a decision mm-hmm. that you have control over. That you yeah, that's you being in control. That is you being in control and you making a conscious decision where you are in control. And the mm-hmm. more you can do that with. Decisions like speaking like that mm-hmm. or anything in your life where you have control, you're making conscious effort and you're doing it. Like you're making a decision for yourself. Those are going to build up and build up. Mm-hmm. And then making those other decisions where it might be more scary. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be a lot easier to make. Because there are so many people I know. Um, even myself, I, long time, I used to be terrible at making decisions mm-hmm. about anything. You know, I, would, I don't want to throw my girlfriend under the bus. But she's so bad at making decisions. Like about even the smallest thing is like, what do you want to eat today? I can't bad. even make I'm a bad decision. At that too. You know, it's like we go to a restaurant. She's like, oh my God, I can't make a decision. I'm like, well, look, babe, just get what you like. Like the first thing that comes to your mind. I think it's just like a personality thing where like- It is a behavioral psychology thing. There are people like her. I think our sister's like this too, mm-hmm. where they can't go to a restaurant or they can't order something without first looking at the reviews and seeing what the- what has been highest highest rated mm-hmm. so that they have someone else's decision yeah. to make a decision on. Yeah. Deep you know? down, it's just they're afraid of failing. Exactly. They're afraid of making the wrong decision. I know, but it's just <laughs> the funniest thing to me because like something as inconsequential as just having a meal, mm-hmm. which you do three times or something a day for the rest of your life, Yeah, how that can have so much power over you to where they can't make a good decision. Like if that's hard enough to make a decision about that, and making a decision about should I leave my parents' house is going to be impossible, you know? Yeah. So just getting good, at, getting good at making confident decisions for yourself mm-hmm. is it's, it's a game changer in terms of taking control of your life again. I, I agree. That's part of it. I think the other part is changing your, changing your mindset about the decision. Mm-hmm. Because this is me too, and our, probably our sister. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say I want to pick like the best meal, like from the menu to eat, mm-hmm. and I I pick the best one, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, let's say it's the objectively everyone says is the best one, and I pick the best one. Mm-hmm. I will still sometimes feel like, did I pick the best one, or is it another one on the menu that's better? Mm-hmm. Buyer's remorse, buyer's remorse, or whatever. Have it's just. It's just like me constantly thinking, like, it's just how I feel about the decision. Mm-hmm. It's not about the quality of the decision. Mm-hmm. It's just me choosing to be anxious about maybe there is something better mm-hmm. and not like being happy, not being present. Mm-hmm. 
So it's uh, part of it is a decision-making framework. The other part is having a mental, ha- having a different mindset about your decisions. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. It's like how, almost like closing the loop after the decision is made. Yeah. As opposed to letting it stay open and continually bothering you. Yeah. Because I remember along for for because I remember for a while I was like I couldn't make a decision because I wanted to avoid that anxious feeling of buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. So I just don't want to make a decision. Right. I don't want to do it because then I, I know I'm going to be upset or sad. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to make the wrong decision, so I make a decision. Mm-hmm. But that that comes with some mindset shift. Mm-hmm. I think to get over that feeling of buyer's remorse in any capacity just comes down to what I said of making more confident, conscious decisions and then seeing that after making enough of them, that no matter what decision you make, you're going to be fine because you have the confidence in yourself to make the best out of the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like an example would be for our business. A long time ago, this is maybe like a year ago almost, we were debating whether or not we should go with like this one agency versus this other agency to help us plan a better YouTube strategy mm-hmm. so we can grow our channel. Mm-hmm. Probably the best decision we ever made was to get a strategy team mm-hmm. for sure. Cause it opened so many doors and also like solidified that yes, we're taking this seriously, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of back and forth between which one we should go with. And we were like, should we go with the more experienced ones? Or we should go with the cheaper ones who seem cool. Like, well, I went back and forth, back and forth. But for some reason, after we made that decision, I didn't really have any buyer's remorse because I knew that regardless of what decision we made, mm-hmm. we're going to work hard and we're going to make the best out of it. Yeah. And so I think having that mentality and having confidence in yourself that whatever decision you make, you're going to be fine because you're in control of how it's going to how it's going to play out. That has a big impact too, and that just comes down to with confidence. Yeah, the more you've done it, the more experience you have that you know I can make the best out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to be happier, and you're going to have control over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that too. It's it's confidence, and it's it's taking it's it's taking responsibility. Tay. <laughs> <laughs> responsibility yeah <laughs> it's taking taking ownership yeah because like going back to your food example let's say i picked a dish that was just disgusting mm-hmm. i could still enjoy it maybe if i added some like sauce or salt it a bit or mm-hmm. add some i don't know salsa or something like that mm-hmm. or there's something you can do you can take ownership you can make that dish better mm-hmm. same thing with the example or you could just tell the chef to make it better or yeah you could but it's on you though, you know? Yeah. It's like when you make a decision and you feel bad about it, you're just like letting that decision destroy you. Mm-hmm. You're letting that negativity own you. Right. But well, yeah, the, you feel powerless. Exactly. It's a terrible feeling to Back feel to like the, you're powerless. Exactly. When you feel like something else is owning you. Mm-hmm. But then also back to the example you use with the two agencies, mm-hmm. it didn't matter which one we went with, mm-hmm. we we're still going to put in the work. Right. And we knew that we were still going to succeed no matter what. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter which one was more experienced, which one's more expensive, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So that was us just taking ownership. Yeah. So having confidence, like you said, mm-hmm. taking ownership of your decision mm-hmm. and feeling positive and feeling good about your decision. Mm. Those three things, when it comes down to making tough decisions, those three things can give you control. Right. And 
Yeah, I like how you mentioned the. I guess I would even say it's almost, it's not even so much about feeling good about your decision. It's more knowing that you are going to be happy regardless of the decision. Like it's interesting. It's also really interesting because people can have can be at different stages of that of control for different decisions in their life. Like for the food example, like sometimes that's really hard to make, but maybe for something else in their life, they're really good at making that decision, you know? And so having that, having like a framework like we just talked about and applying that to every decision that you make, that will improve all the decision-making that you can do. That's why frameworks are so powerful, Yeah, I guess, because now I'm thinking about like, if I'm thinking about my girlfriend again, she's really, really, really good at going with the, I think a lot of people will say like they're good at going with the flow. I think your wife is the same way mm-hmm. that we're like, regardless of, regardless of the situation, they won't complain about it, mm-hmm. you know, and they're always there to make the best out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that in itself is a very powerful trait that people need to adopt more into other decisions in their life too. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily just the ones who are in social situations. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. How do you currently feel about the control you have over your life. I definitely feel very positive. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've felt so much. It's really funny because our business is so hard to predict mm-hmm. and we have no idea what's going to happen and compare that to like the, the path that we left mm-hmm. where it was so predictable. Mm-hmm. Like despite that, despite business being like, I have no idea like how to even do this how to succeed i'm just mm-hmm. going to do it anyway despite that feeling mm-hmm. i still feel like i have more control doing mm-hmm. business than i did being a doctor that's yeah. like such a such a such a that's such an irony mm-hmm. but i think it comes down to what's going on in, in my head mm-hmm. it's like when my life was out of control mentally speaking i could not pull myself out of bed i hated every day Mm-hmm. And when my life is in control, like right now, I feel like it's in, in control mentally. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to get up. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to go to sleep. Like, I want to just get to sleep so I can wake up faster and then get on with the next day. Right. And that, like, that, I guess it's internal motiv- motivation. Mm-hmm. It defines everything. No, I definitely am in the same position as you where having freedom <laughs> makes me feel a lot happier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Simple as it is, you know, up. having no ties to any physical location in terms of work, mm-hmm. physical location in terms of school, any time restrictions in terms of like having to be somewhere mm-hmm. um, or do something. Autonomy. Is, it's just great. And that the, the the like lifting that off my head just allowed me to i don't know just be a lot more present mm-hmm. be a lot happier and just like yeah it's it's weird because i don't want to i feel like i'm painting a bad picture of medicine because there are a lot of doctors who are very fulfilled with their yeah. work and their, we're, not, we're not just to be clear we're not saying that entrepreneurship is the path uh-huh. We're, everyone's definition of everyone's definition of freedom is different. Mm-hmm. Our definition, I mean, entrepreneurship gives us freedom, mm-hmm. but to someone else, 
who doesn't like entrepreneurship. Right. It is such a weight. Yeah. You, you like you stay up all night thinking like, where's my next meal coming from? If you're like making no money and your business is in the negative, mm -hmm. like a lot of people, they just like to go to work. And once they're done with work, they go home. They don't want to think about anything. Mm -hmm. Like they don't want to think about any of the work. Right. But, that's, but we're thinking about it 24 seven. Yeah. I guess that's the difference that do you, I'm glad you brought that up is that different people are controlled by different thoughts. Mm -hmm. It's all about your thoughts. And I'm just really lucky. I'm really lucky that one of the thoughts that's never invaded or crossed my mind was how am I going to make money out of this? Mm -hmm. Because for some reason, and maybe this is just good parenting from my dad, from our dad. But remember when we asked him, I remember we asked him, he was like, so did you ever think we weren't going to succeed? Or did you ever think we we're going to be like, we're not going to be successful? And his response was just like, no, I had never had a doubt that you guys were going to be great. You remember this conversation? Uh, yeah, I, I remember it. He was just like, we were like, what if, like, what if we didn't make it? What if we didn't graduate or become doctors or didn't do something? And he's like, no, I. He's like, I had a hundred percent confidence and faith that you guys were going to crush it. Paraphrasing a little bit, he said like, it much. He does not use the word "crush." Yeah. Are you talking about <laughs> paraphrasing a little bit, but he basically just said that he never had a doubt that we wouldn't succeed in some way. Mm -hmm. And I think just hearing him say that just gave me so much confidence that no matter what path I took, whether it be entrepreneurship or continued in medicine, that money in the future was not going to be an issue for me. And maybe that was, and it, it didn't feel like a white lie. Like he felt, I felt he, he was honest, you know, that was his absolute truth. And just hearing him say that, it, it alleviated the fear of, am I going to have money to continue doing what I'm doing? That was, that never crossed my mind really again. Mm -hmm. And if you remove that from the equation of whether or not you want to do entrepreneurship or you want to do medicine, mm -hmm. that is like the reason why you take a job that's, that's stable mm -hmm. is because it's financially stable. Mm -hmm. But if you remove the money aspect from the equation, then obviously I'm going to choose the one that I have more freedom in. You know? yeah. So I feel way happier at this point. And I was just really lucky that um, I had that option. But, or that privilege. Or that privilege. Exactly. Yeah, that privilege. Definitely mm -hmm. it's a privilege. But if I was still thinking about where's the money coming from, then I would definitely had a much harder decision leaving a very stable career. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, yeah, that was fun. And we will see you all next time. Hey, hey, hey.